What is up, people? My name is Reese, or Next Gen Novelist. Welcome back to the From Zero podcast, where I talk about my thoughts and experiences as an aspiring author of the next generation. Today, the topic is learning from successes and failures. And I'm speaking of success and failure in the context of books, storytelling, writing. And what exactly is the purpose of this topic? I think it's fairly obvious, but I'll just explain as I always do. Now, with success, I think this is something we all practically, you know, look towards a lot of the time because we want to see examples of people who made it big, right? We want to look at J.K. Rowling and uh, we want to look at, you know, Stephen King and these writers whose names you've heard a million and one times and, you know, everyone knows about their advice and everyone quotes them and, you know, Stephen King said this and J.K. Rowling did this. So that's what you should listen to. Um, we all know about this stuff. And there is an undeniably good reason to look at success and to base your future actions on other people's. However, there's not a lot of talk as much about failures. There is talk about failures with aspiring authors or something, you know, like, oh, this author, you know, when I see a lot of beginning writers, like on writing excuses, they'll often talk about newer writers. So what newer writers are doing. And that's good because normally that's, you know, that's um, relevant to you, you know, in the sense that it's like, well, you're not published, presumably you are. So in, in a sense, you're an amateur or you're a new writer or whatever. So you might as well kind of hear what they've got to say. And oftentimes you find that the issues which a lot of these new writers have is similar to some of the stuff you have. Um, there was actually one which was rather vague. And I say vague in the sense that I wouldn't have thought many people would have done this. But I remember Brandon Sanderson used an example of somebody who wrote an entire series that was very traditional fantasy and the idea was that they were going to do a twist where they turned it on its head and it didn't play out very well. Um, I believe that writer supposedly got published and people just had issues with the book. Now, what's funny about that is that I had a story which was essentially doing the exact same thing. And because, you know, I thought, oh, that would be cool. I had the same thought process of, oh, you know, the shot's going to be amazing because I didn't understand that Shock value is all well and good if it's built up to an authentic manner. And even then, you're still going to get some people who don't like it. So you're going to get some people like, I don't care if this was foreshadowed. I don't think it should ever be in fantasy fiction and blah, blah, blah. Like, my honest opinion, ignore those people. Um, you're always going to get people who just don't like what you're pushing up, what you're shoveling. And that's fine. Not every story is for everybody. So if you're writing a story and you feel as though, you know, it's going to be a bit niche or you're not too sure if everyone's going to like it, guess what? No matter what you do, not everybody's going to like it. If you do it in too much of a conventional manner, people <laughs> like me who don't really like uh, hyper-conventional stories are going to dislike it. If you do something that's a little bit too strange, people who prefer a lot more comfortable reads aren't going to really like it. And... But the thing is, is that there will be a, a set of people that will love it. All these published authors who are sitting there now and they've got hundreds or thousands of people 
sitting there saying, I love your stories, you know, don't ever stop writing. Those are the same people, some of them, who I'm sure were told at points, writing terrible, especially with the era a lot of them grew up in. I'm sure a lot of them were told things like, don't write stories or, you know, that's not going to get you anything. That's not practical, blah, blah, blah. So with all of that pressure and then to still kind of go through with it, you know, it's great and it's very inspiring. And it's obviously a success. Uh, sorry, it's a success story. So they count as success. And we like hearing those stories. We like hearing about people who went against the grain and who pushed the envelope. And we like to see that. What we don't like to hear as often is about the people who didn't make it. We don't like to hear about the people who did capitulate to their parents' pressure and who gave in and who said, you know what, I can't do this or, you know, this isn't worth it, who gave up on their dreams, <clears throat> essentially. We don't like to hear about those stories. It's not very inspiring. Now, I think this might depend on how you are, but considering success and failure is just a natural part of life, I feel as though it should be learnt to like, it should be learnt to learn from failures just as much, if not more, from successes. The amount of time I spend reading book reviews on Goodreads of books that, you know, that I look at books and I look at books that have a lot of one star reviews on the first page and stuff. And I'm always more interested in any book, every single book, I'm always more interested in a one-star review and a two-star review and a three-star review than I am the four or five stars. And sometimes people write one-star reviews that are complete nonsense, but so do they when they write five stars. Sometimes people write five-star reviews saying, I love this book and everything in it. That may well be true, but that doesn't really tell me anything. So that's all well and good. Not to say that every book reviewer has to, you know, write out this full essay on why you should read the book, but and be bloody helpful. Um, especially, but I know that Goodreads is just a platform that a lot of people just use to just, you know, uh, just document their thoughts on different things. Like, oh, I like this book. That's it. That's all they need to know. Uh, a lot of people do it kind of for self-reference, so that's something they can go and look back on, or future reference. So, but failure is something I think is very important to look at because when you are writing, it's easy to think that what you're doing is complete and not a trash or that you don't have you know the skill level or that you're not any good at this and sometimes looking at how some people did and seeing that they have done pretty poorly can in a weird and perhaps <laughs> a bit of a you know a bit of a perhaps is a, to some people a bit distasteful I think it can be quite inspiring to see somebody that didn't make it. Now, I know that's not what people want to hear, but I think it's the honest truth. If you, let's say you don't like a certain trend or a certain prevailing trope, and you see someone try to push it out and it doesn't work anymore, and you see that people are leaning more towards what you're trying to do, well, I think it's very hard to imagine that you're not on some level kind of grateful for that. Because you have to bear this in mind. Whatever trend is going to allow your book to you know rise above others is going to make other people miss out right if young adult right now young adult science fiction there's not very much of it you know and i'm talking about like sci-fi like space operas and cyberpunk there's not very much and so if you're writing that kind of story in ya 
right now that's just not popular so if you like but should you not write that story i don't know this is the funny thing about things like this some people release books a lot earlier than maybe they should have some people release them a lot later than they probably should have timing is a big factor into the success of your story yeah patrick rothfuss who wrote the name of the wind often says that his book was released around the right time and I think you have to have an eye for this because in all honesty, with my own story that I'm currently writing or revising, I've actually, uh, I actually feel like I can see where it would fit into the market right now, you know, which is something I guess you're supposed to be able to see. But like I can see it on a very almost like technical level as like, no, this is like, you know, like a science, like it fits in this is the formula, it goes here, it does this. I see it like that, not like, oh, you just pushed the art out and who knows what happens. I I think that, that because people say, oh, that happens, but I've just read so many book reviews and I don't think it's that airy-fairy or that mythical. I think there's a very clear psychological component that determines what kinds of books do better. Something I always noticed is that in contemporary stories, whenever a story seems to involve things such as rape or excessive violence, it seems to grab more attention sometimes in a story that doesn't, unless that story is romance. Um, and I think the reason why is because, as humans, we are attracted to drama. Yeah, This is why the news and media companies have figured out that if they keep on releasing media and news that's, you know, these kind of sensationalist stories and this clickbait and this stuff to rile you up and you know that's why we have outrage culture and all this like drama is something that humans are very strongly attracted to and because that's the case when you put it in your stories people find those stories more enjoyable more attractive even sometimes when somebody doesn't particularly like what they're reading there might be a part of them which just can't stop reading it and I think that's something, there's something to be said for that because maybe some writers don't do that consciously. The thing is, is that with me, like I said in my first podcast, I'm I'm quite conscious of a lot of the stuff I do now with my writing. I wasn't always like that, but it's because when I sit down to write something, I have aspirations that go beyond just, here's a cool story. I think people who just want to tell a cool story, they don't have to worry about a lot of this stuff. Um, they just have to worry about the fundamentals, yeah, which is, you know, prose, characterization, setting, plot, pacing, that kind of stuff, you know, structure. They have to worry about that, the nuts and bolts. But when you're trying to go a bit further than that, and in my case, sometimes quite a bit further, you're, you, I think it's insane not to do what I do. I think it's crazy not to read Goodreads reviews of other books that are similar and not very similar to you, but just happen to be in the same genre. To be honest, by default, if I hear about a book, I just read reviews for it. That's the first thing I do. I don't care whether or not I'm going to read the book. A lot of the time, I'm not going to read these books, um, but I will still go and read the reviews of them. And the reviews will often sometimes be more interesting because they teach me something. They don't teach me how to write per se, because I'm not reading reviews thinking, oh, okay, so people want this in their books. It's time to go write that. So that's not what I'm saying. But I see where some people's attitude is shifting. 
and I think, does my story fit into that? Or is it in the past? And I think this is important because people write stories that are very similar to other people's. I don't really know why. You could just say, oh, well, because they just want money. Or because, I mean, because I, I just don't like to believe that in something which is supposed to be a, a creative and artistic medium, that you've got all these people that are... That plane's loud. You've got all these people who um, who are quite, you know, like, unimaginative. And <laughs> it's a harsh word to say, maybe, but that's how I honestly think about it. You know, it's like you're telling a story and you don't actually really think to do anything new with it i just find that strange i find it strange that as a writer you sit down and you're literally willing to write the same story with the same beats with very similar characters to somebody else and money is not your objective it has to be because i just i just find it strange to believe that anyone who's creative would truly want to make another story just like somebody else's i'm not talking about similarities for example, in my story, I have a sisterhood that lives on Flowing Islands. Wonder Woman has been around for a damn long time, well before I ever conceived of my story, well before I was even conceived as uh, a living uh, organism. And when I and and when I I had this I have this uh I don't know what you call it like an encyclopedia for DC characters. And Wonder Woman was in Batman vs Superman, right? So I was like, oh, I don't really know much about Wonder Woman. Let me go look at what she, you know, what she's about. And I looked in this encyclopedia and then I saw something about floating islands. And I saw this thing about how all women lived on there and they're a warrior race. And I thought, this sounds like exactly like the, <laughs> the nation of that I call the Lemria in my book. That's worrying. And the problem is because Wonder Woman is such a big thing. And by the way, this year she's getting her own movie. So I remember that made me feel discouraged because this is a success story of someone who took something like that and was successful with it. But it discouraged me because of my perception. I viewed that as like, oh, well, they've already done my idea. But then when I really thought about it, it's like, no, they haven't. They have not done my idea in the slightest. They have similar elements and on a surface look, yeah, they're quite similar. It's an all-female, you know, society on floating islands. Sure, that, that does sound pretty, you know, pretty damn similar. And because Wonder Woman is such a staple of the comic book uh, culture, it's very easy to believe that that's something that would have inspired me, especially since I actually do know about comic book characters. So it's not like I avoided them my entire life. I do know about them and I did read them. I just honestly never knew much about Wonder Woman, which sounds strange, but I didn't. And so it couldn't have even been an unconscious insertion, like where I've just kind of remembered it from childhood and un unconsciously inserted into my own work. I just honestly didn't know anything about Wonder Woman's story. And so that was strange. And it discouraged me because I thought, ah, uh, someone's already succeeded. But then I thought about it more. And like I said, I realized actually that's not true. And what it made me realize, in fact, was, well, if someone succeeded, that means that it worked. That means that my, my idea is not as crazy as it seemed then. And on the reverse side, when we're looking at failure, a similar thing. Someone might do your idea and it flops. It's very important for you to go and see that because when 
someone's done something and it's not done well, the first thing it will make you think is, should I be doing this? <laughs> hopefully. Um, that's the first thing you think. And I'm saying hopefully because it's good to have that doubt, I think. I think it's good to doubt yourself. It's good because it keeps you accountable. If you don't think anything you do is wrong, then you're less likely to revise your story properly. You're less likely to go the extra mile to make it have that power to it that it could have had. You're not going to go as far with it. You're not going to delve as deep because you think, oh, well, everyone's going to love this story no matter what happens. Um, whereas if you believe that it may not, like you have to be anxious about the possibility it will flop. I know that sounds like maybe a weird place to be, but I think that tense kind of conflict within you is actually a good thing. I think it's something that is very useful. It has been for me anyway. It's pushed me to revise a lot of things that I wouldn't have revised otherwise. It's encouraged me to put things into my books and into all my stories that I just wouldn't have considered putting in before. You know, this is another thing to do with diversity. With diversity having this push it has, it's kind of giving people a bit of a kick up the ass to say, okay, like maybe I should include this more because if I don't, then people might criticize me for it. I kind of don't like that. I don't really like the fact that, you know, someone feels like they're writing out of fear of being rejected in a way. I, I don't think that's really right, especially again, this is a creative medium. But it's like, you know, if I was to say for me why I would put diversity in my book, it's just because it's boring if I don't. And yeah, you could say, oh, because you're black, of course you would. But, you know, even if I wasn't, I just think it's boring. I just find it boring to see the same kinds of characters in the same kinds of roles with the same kinds of backgrounds. To me, it's just simply boring. You can bring all the politics into it if you want. But for me... It's just as simple as saying it's boring. Yeah, there are other ramifications and implications, you know, that you can start delving into in all this socio-political, you know, philosophical stuff. But the bottom line for me is it's boring. So I don't like to look at that stuff. And you'll see a lot of people when they try to incorporate diversity and they fail to do it properly. So that gives you, you know, a bit of an encouragement to say, all right, I need to make sure I don't make their mistakes. But you see, if you don't go and read those reviews, you will make those mistakes. Yeah, you will go and make those mistakes. And it's not just and, and even just about reviewing, just getting people to read your work, you know, honest people who are going to tell you the truth about whether or not. And I don't want to say the truth because it's entertainment. They just might not, you know. Uh, they just might not connect with the story as much as other people. But yeah, a general overlook from a good sample of people, I'd say maybe five or ten. I've heard a lot of writers say, I have one beta reader. OK, well, you know, that's all well and good. But like, again, like I look at those writer stories and I just think, well, you've got, you know, you're, there's an issue here where you've got people reviewing your book saying that you handled this prop improperly or you didn't do that correctly or blah, 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 you know. And sure, you could have all the beta readers in the world and somehow still write the book in this weird way that people don't like. But I think if you've got the skill and you've got the mind to be looking for failure and to, if you know how to appreciate its worth and you see the significance of learning from it, I think you'll be all right. So, yeah. So hopefully you got something out of that.
you know, just as a general summary, just try to really think about success, think about failure, treat them equally. Don't only be focused on success and only be attracted to the, you know, the really encouraging and inspiring story of the people who made it big. Take note of the ones that didn't make it at all. Take note of the ones especially who wrote stories like yours and messed them up. Who took elements that you're looking to incorporate and messed it up. And if you can't find stories that are very similar to yours, I always say look for something that's similar in its aspirations or in its tone. There will be a story like that. So it may not have the exact same you know, similarities. Let's say you're writing a sci-fi story and you're looking to put dragons in it, as I saw one person on a forum was saying they wanted to do. You know, I suggested that person, I said, right, well, go and find sci-fi books with dragons. I didn't know of any because I just hadn't really read a lot of sci-fi, but other people were coming saying, look, there's this book and that book. So there were other books and I said, hey, go and look at the reviews, especially for those books, because those reviews will tell you a lot. And don't just look at the new ones, but definitely look at the new ones because the views change over time. But look at the older ones as well, because those people may well come back, you know, to read your book and they may feel as though it's making the same uh, mistakes that the book they read 10 years ago was making. So don't make the same mistakes of the past. It's unnecessary. We've got the internet now. We can easily learn and know better. And so, yeah, get yourself informed and try to understand both sides. Understand when people do things well and understand when people don't do things so well. Look at your favourite authors and listen to their failures because they ain't perfect either. They'll say, oh, I tried doing this and I'm not good at it or blah, blah. Look at their strengths and weaknesses. Look at the things that they didn't do quite so well in their early works. And not only does it make you feel like you've got to be more accountable for your own stuff, but also it it should inspire you to say, oh, well, they're human. You know, they messed up too. They have things that they didn't do perfectly. So you are allowed to have some failures, yeah? But you don't want to have some giant failure like you completely, you know, fail to get published, your book flops or whatever. So try and be aware of those possibilities. Remember that they are real possibilities, both of them. You could become J.K. Rowling. It's possible. Happened once, right? Or you could become one of those authors whose books just don't go anywhere. So learn from success, learn from failures. Anyway, that's all I've got to say. And I'm out. Peace.